Welcome to the Architectural Education Off the Record Podcast, where we discuss everything, something, and nothing about architecture. I'm your host, Vincent Hui. In this episode, we're going to focus on one of the three concentrations that we have within the Department of Architectural Science. As you all know, we have architecture, and of course, we have building science and project management. I'm going to start focusing this series on the latter. We're going to talk about project management, and that's typically one of the options that a lot of our students don't really understand coming out of high school. Right? They certainly don't know it necessarily when they go through first year, but by the time they've understood that it takes more than simply illustration and creating an idea, that you got to know how to make the project come together, and more importantly, have that feasibility aspect, that's where the project management all comes into play. And it's beyond simply the first day of, of opening, it's also operations and maintenance that's involved with respect to project management. So there's a whole range of things that's involved within architectural science that's discussed and presented within the project management stream. We have a lot of ideas on how we can advance that particular concentration. We're actually going to be launching a master's of project management fairly soon. Uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, there's going to be a little more groundwork and clarity on what's going on. But I am with two very good guests. We have on the one hand, a recent graduate, Agnes Yoon, and she went through our project management concentration uh, at the end of last year, she finished it. And of course, we're with Robin Ramcharan. Robin, is that, I, how do I say your name properly, man? That's cool. That's good. <laughs> okay, sorry. And he's an alumnus. Uh, I met him when I first started at Ryerson way back in the day. So uh, we've known each other on and off uh, through the decades or so. And uh, he's been a really good connection to industry. And he's got lots of experience. And he also, though going through the architecture uh, focus, he's, he still managed to, you know, just when he thought he was out, they managed to pull him back into the project <laughs> management side of things. So First off, thank you very much for taking the time out to talk, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. Yeah. All right. So I think um, very quickly, can we get a two-minute or one-minute spiel on your bios, just so that people can understand where you come from and how you got to where you are right now? You don't have to name your firms. Just say what you went through, what made you go and say, hey, that project management idea is something worth following through, whether it's in school or after school, and then, you know, what what it, what it precipitated in terms of a career. So I'll start with you, Agnes, because you're the most recent one. Uh, thanks, Vince. Um, so yeah, my name is Agnes. I graduated from Ryerson's Architectural Science Program last year in 2019. Um, I did uh, five years of my bachelor's degree um, initially joining um, the program at Ryerson, uh, thinking I want to be an architect, but I kind of joined Ryerson, or that was my choice because I like the option of having options, uh, which was like the project management stream, uh, building science, uh, and design. Um, just because when I feel like when you're in high school, or I guess early on in your education and career, you don't really know for sure until you are, you know, uh, your feet is in the water. So, mm -hmm. um, so I did PM because I enjoyed the collaboration and leadership aspect and kind of like delivering the project and getting done, <laughs> um, so to speak. So uh, that's why I'm doing, uh, I guess, project management now after school. Okay. okay. All right. And Robin, you've got a little bit more uh, experience on your shoulders there. So tell us about what you did 
going through our program and then what made you go into project management as, as a kind of career? Sure, thanks Vince. So I'm a graduate from 2002 in the architectural design option and I went what you would say is more the traditional architecture route. I did a master's of architecture, um, worked at a few firms for several years and became licensed and I knew I wanted to switch over to the management side at some point during my career. Um, really more into development manager. I'm a development manager now. My title is senior development manager at Project Core. Been there for about five years. And um, I knew I wanted to switch over and um, really have a larger role in shaping the mandate and vision for buildings. So that would be on the development side. So I ended up um, switching over. I work in development management now and that's what I've been doing. Okay. So, I mean, let, let's come back to brass tacks here because I know that we're not only talking to incoming students, but also students within our program. Uh, Robin, I'm going to start with you because you've gone through it and you see it in the industry. Can you just define what project management is within our architecture, engineering, construction industry? Because I think that's always a question mark. It's like, does it just mean that I'm in charge of the architects? Does it mean that I just oversee certain things? What does project management really entail? Right. I think, you know, in the building industry, you're working on the execution of a project. I tend to think of it more, you know, the person managing all the people who are doing things to get that project done. So people know what an architect does or people in the program know what an architect does. They have an idea what an engineer does and other consultants. Those things have to come together and somebody has to manage that process and they have certain metrics they have to meet, whether it's time, budget, or whatever else. And somebody has to be in charge of that and responsible for that. So a project manager is the person who brings that together. And it can be in different phases of um, the building design or construction. We tend to think of it more in school as during the construction phase, we associate a lot with uh, executing the building, but it can certainly start earlier in the process mm -hmm. um, during um, schematic design, design development. And in my role, I start even earlier in development. We start around the time of acquisition, studying what can be done, um, programming, um, scenario modeling, and then taking it through approvals with the city and then into design development, construction documents and into construction. So it's a lot broader than people realize. Okay, so just now that we understand what it is from your experience in history, Agnes, I'm gonna turn it back to you. So you're recently minted from our project management stream. So can you tell us, does what Robin say, is that, is that what we cover within our undergraduate concentration? Yeah, I definitely agree with Robin. Um, you know, being in the studio uh, in my first three years, there's a lot of uh, group work, especially in third year. And if you participate in uh, competitions or any group work in general, right, there's a lot of collaboration involved. And uh, with collaboration and, and teamwork, there's a lot of um, butting heads, but um, or even like people with different ideas and perspectives. But at the end of the day, um, ideally, uh, we all have like a shared goal to finish something, right? So what, taking that kind of idea in a, in a I guess, like architectural idea um, and kind of seeing it come to fruition in a, in a complete building, that's, I find that's really rewarding. And these kind of skills are, uh, or soft skills are transferable in any kind of uh, organization or collaborative environment. Okay, so I, I guess I'm gonna open up a question then to both of you guys, because this is a little bit of a question I get a lot from students. Okay, so what do you do in project management? And maybe it starts with Agnes. Uh, what do you do in project management, say, studio? 
right? Because a lot of people don't understand what the difference is. Like, I mean, if I understand architecture, yes, yeah, designing something, and then I go into building science studio, maybe it's refining the designing and developing details. What is a project management studio like in, in, in our program? Uh, the PM studio, I find it's, uh, it's different than uh, design. I feel like in the first three years, you, you know, you have the general um, knowledge and skills to uh, produce construction drawings and um, come up with a good uh, concept for whatever you're designing for. Um, but what I mainly focused in the PM studio is how I could turn my ideas or my team's ideas into a reality. So understanding things like uh, money are real constraints, uh, resources, whether that's time, um, people, that's a resource. So kind of um, working um, to or learning to understand that uh, these are uh, real things in the real world uh, in order to get your idea become a reality. So um, the studio was mainly focusing on uh, soft skills and um, the financialing uh, aspects and scheduling aspects, um, mm -hmm. which uh, I found was really useful uh, leaving, uh, leaving school. Okay, so then that is what you come out of school. Now, Robin, you are a, a PM and you are also, you know, built with that kind of design uh, pedigree from our program. So I think the question would be to a lot of students, you know, I asked Agnes about what is the PM studio like, but then I'm gonna also ask you now, if that's what the PM studio is like and you are coming from an architectural design background and yet you're doing PM, right? Uh, let's yeah. be honest here. If I were to tell a second year, hey, guess what? PM is really cool because as Agnes has said, you get to oversee scheduling, costs, make sure budgets are okay, make sure that people don't hate you. Uh, that doesn't sound exactly as sexy as what I signed for coming in from high school thinking yeah. I want to design yeah. some buildings. So Robin, help me out. Tell me yeah. why PM is really important. Well, you're, you're exactly right. I think most students don't want to go into the um, project management side or the real estate development side because it's not interesting to them because they came into a design school. They want to be architects and design. Mm -hmm. And I understand it. I appreciate it. I was in school too. And um, you don't really understand what's there until you get out into real world and work and see what you can do. And for me, so I'm in development management and I work on the client side and I tell people I have more control of design now because we shape the mandate and vision for the building and the execution. So if you really care about design, whatever you care about in design, you shape that on this side. So if you want to get something built, um, you have more in a hand in shaping that. So that's why it'd be important to consider uh, project management or real estate development, because um, not only do you do that, but every day is different. Deal, one day you are dealing with financials, budgets, constraints, but you're also dealing with marketing, design, coordination, financing. So it, every day is different. It's actually much more exciting than um, a typical in the office job. Well, I was going to get at that but uh, later, but I might as well hit it right now. What is a typical day for someone that actually embarks on a career in project management? I mean, you have a very robust one, right? Uh, because you've, you've kind of got some maturity. Agnes, I, I'm not sure if you would feel comfortable just chiming in very quickly about like, you know, what's a typical day for you? And then I suspect that, you know, we would add on to it what you're doing in your job and then kind of times five times 10 for Robin. So Agnes, we'll start with you. What's typical PM project management career kind of day? If I were to bring your prof to work day, what would you be doing <laughs> with me? Uh, sure. Um, so uh, the re another reason why I kind of um, I'm enjoying uh, project management in the office now is that, you know, every day is different, right? It just depends 
what's going on on site or at what stage of the project, you know, you typically or ideally see your project from project start to finish. So you're not like, or at least I'm not sitting at a desk every single day, right? And I think it's really rewarding for me to at least go on site and see, you know, the progress that has been done um, to, to, I guess, reach that finish line. Hmm. Okay, so then if that's the kind of general sensibility of like being uh, in, an, in an office and not in an office, but just things change every day, going offsite and checking out the project, seeing its life. Robin, care to elaborate on this? Because I think that your experience now it can offer a little bit more detail and also a little bit more clarity on the kind of authority that you have. You, you mentioned that you had a lot more control. So I just want to get a sense of what it is that you guys would do as a project manager every day that exerts a little bit more control over a project and also makes it more fun, I'd say. For sure. So, um, you know, we have control, but we do have responsibilities. So it's not, um, it's not all glamorous and there's certainly um, tough days, but um, you, you shape the project. So you're working with the financier, client, whoever that may be to build a design team. And I, again, maybe even starting with looking at the site, but then building the design team um, and executing the project, which means managing every every little bit of it. So one day you might be managing architects and engineers would work in process, um, refining design, and then you're meeting with uh, lawyers and planning consultants, and that informs the design. So you have to go back and it's an iterative process, uh, meeting with the city, going through um, your potential submission to them, getting feedback and changing it. So you're working towards this submission to the city, whether it's rezoning or building permit. And then the other side, you're dealing with uh, marketing and sales and how, um, you know, you're designing something that somebody has to use. Will they pay for it? Will they lease it or whatnot? And then you might um, be creating cool marketing material as well, working with a consultant team to design brochures or get um, drone photos or architectural renderings. Mm -hmm. And then also there's the office management side of it as well. So it's a development manager, project manager, you're hiring staff, we're hiring full-time staff, co-op students. So every, everything, you know, Every day is different, and, but you're working towards one goal. Again, it could be that submission or once you get a building permit into tender and construction, you have other goals. Hmm. But you go through different phases and it's exciting because every day is different, but it's not all glamorous. There is a lot of work and a lot of responsibilities. So um, don't think <laughs> anything is easy. Okay, so I mean that that's that's really good to you know balance that out to say it's not just all glamorous and it's not that easy. But let let's talk about reducing the, those challenges that make it less easy. That that you know I will, I want to focus more on the glamour now. So uh, in order to make that happen, it's about like just making sure that you're successful, right? And I find that. I'd like to think as a prof here that our program is able to make sure that those skills are, are taught. And you're talking about scheduling and oversight and costing. I mean, those are things that we do dispense within the program, but you know, I'll start with Agnes on this one. What would you say are really important key success factors to go from school into industry? Or what would you say is really important to, to really have under your belt so that you can actually navigate all this stuff that's, you know, that was just dispensed with by Robin in project management. So certainly there's going to be oversight on costs, understanding how scheduling works, understanding like marketing drives and all that. So, so there's a lot of stuff academically that you have to know, but what are some other key success factors that you would say are really important to succeed in project management? Uh, definitely soft skills. And I find that, you know, 
um, just like how not everyone can be a doctor, like there's a lot of um, personality traits, um, such as having a really strong uh, work ethic that makes you a successful PM or a PM student. Um, you know, uh, ideally, the people in your team also have a strong work ethic, but you know, everyone's personalities are different and that's just human nature and you got to learn how to be adaptable, um, empathetic, and these kind of, um, I think, uh, human traits um, make you versatile in any kind of uh, team environment. Okay. Um, so for sure, like, you know, as a, my perspective as a PM is that you have strong leadership skills and that you're able to kind of motivate and encourage your team members to kind of all collectively work to uh, get the work done. Okay, so I'm going to jump off that one and throw it back to you, Robin, because I'm asking for what are key success factors. And, you know, Agnes has talked about a lot of things, which I don't know if you can actually teach them. I think you can give exercises, you can give yeah. projects, but, you know, you can't teach leadership. You can't teach empathy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, this is the stuff that I, 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 thank you very much, Agnes. You're very right that those are very good skills and key yeah. success factors, but I don't know how you build that stuff up. Right. I'm like, look at me. I'm, I got no empathy. I got no soft skills. I got no, I got, how do I, how do I get this practiced? How do I build this up? Robin, help me out. Uh, that's, that's the million dollar question. I mean, I completely agree with Agnes that soft skills are the fundamental, most important thing, especially when you're starting out, um, you're working with people, you're leading people. Um, you have to be a team player and not only to succeed, but when you're trying to get hired, you, you know, that's what you have to have and maybe secondary organization skills, but how to teach that, I don't know. I think um, trying to get out there and work in teams, network, just improve on your personal interactions in every way you can is the first step. It's probably something more through um, repetition than something you just absorb through being taught. Hmm. So then other than the soft skill stuff, other than getting that experience and, and just repetition of building up those soft skills, what are the things now that you have, like, I mean, thank you very much, Robin, you've hired uh, co-op students from our program. Thank you very much. Take care of the family. I appreciate that. But w what is it that you would say is another key trait that would be imperative for students that want to succeed in project management, you know, yeah, have under the belt? That next one is definitely organization. Um, you're going to go into a job where there's a lot of paperwork in the construction industry and you're gonna to have to plan ahead. And then on the other hand, um, be clear about what's happening and it's happening on time and keep a record of that because a year later in the project, somebody might ask, why was that decision made? And you'll have to find it <laughs> right away mm -hmm. because it could be costly. So um, being organized to plan ahead, make sure things are on schedule. Um, you need to be able to do that right away because you won't have the technical skills. You won't be able to answer all the technical questions, but what you can do is organize things for everyone else. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that that's, that's an important one, but uh, just to, to build up on that, uh, I, I, I don't wanna just you know blow smoke up your butt there, Agnes, but uh, you, you know when I had, I, 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 full disclosure, I hired Agnes uh, to help organize some of the co-op uh, program. And I, I used to think that I was good and organized, but oh my God, she, she, I asked her, Hey, you know, it'd be really good if we can get a standard operating procedure manual on how to do this job. And she was like, bam, done. And I was like, Whoa, she, she did it all. And she, she, she made sure that everything was planned out there, the right directories. But the, this brings me to my third thing, which I think would be an instrumental skill. It's not just having decent, like, you know, interpersonal skills. It's not just simply having good organizational skills. I think one of the other dimensions and they aren't necessarily, um, you know, uh, discreet, but 
the, the issue is communication. I find that in project management, if you can't communicate, you might be the most organized person. You might be like in parties, the most like lively life of the party. But if you can't communicate basic things to other people, you cannot succeed. And then that's just my scant experience overseeing projects. But um, I, I just see time and time again, people say, oh my gosh, this kid came from the program and they are such good communicators. They're able to keep everyone in, in the pulse of the project. And I think that, would you say guys that that's another critical dimension for good project management? Absolutely. I would put that under soft skills. I mean, you know, Oh really? See, well, this, again, that just shows how <laughs> crappy my soft skills are. It's like, yeah, that's a separate category. Okay. <laughs> No, no, Vince, I think you're a great communicator. Uh, I don't know about that, man. Um, so, thank, thank, and that's, and see, Robin, that's why I paid her. I would, <laughs> I mean, being able to talk to people in person at meetings and over emails, you have to be able to, you know, communicate over emails what you want and uh, be able to explain clearly that maybe it's a deadline or a timeline or whatever it is. You need to be able to get that without having to send multiple emails or confusing people as to what mm. you're really asking. Actually, you know what? I got a question for you guys, but because both of you guys are in a particular career where communication is instrumental. So I have a, a little bit of a quick request for you guys. Tell me one really good tip individually. Like I want, I'm going to throw it for to you, Robin, first, but um, I need to have a really good tip on how students can properly communicate because maybe it is an interpersonal uh, dimension as well, but I find that I get I'm not even joking about this. I could show you, if you look at my Instagram feed, like way back, I have people that have sent me emojis in, like students have sent me emojis as requests. Can I get an extension, like uh, hands in prayer, hands in prayer kind of uh, symbol? <laughs> and uh, you know, oh, this is like, I, I'm, I'm not even joking. Like you get like sad face emojis in emails. And this is to a prof, right? This is a high school kid, doesn't know me, sends me a prof, right? And listen, I, I, I'm the last person to say, you know, when you talk to me, uh, invoke my name, use Vincent, Professor Vincent, like that, that's not the right way, right, in person. But obviously through written, there's a different acumen for, for communication. Robin, what is a really good tip on communication that you can give our audience today? Well, I think the first thing for students to realize is that when they're communicating with professionals, whether it's at a job interview or at the job, it's different than your personal life. You have to be able to separate that and understand you're communicating with professionals who are paying you and you represent the company. You may be out there meeting with um, other consultants or even the city and you have to represent the company and your project and your client professionally. So first thing is to acknowledge that and then um, try to filter out the way like those little things like emojis and things like that and the way you communicate with your friends and family and change the tone so that it's more professional. And think mm -hmm. of it as that this could be on record forever. Would you want that? <laughs> out there, like the way you talk to someone on, you know, coming up again. And um, it, there has to be some practice and maybe there's training at school. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of things online people can find, but you have to just think of it in a professional way. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely good. And Agnes, do you have another tip on that one? How do you, how do you suggest students can improve on their communication? I definitely agree with like Robin. And I think um, like how you would show face or present yourself to any professional setting if you were in an interview. Um, it's, uh, I, I, to add on to that, I would say like maybe responding in a timely manner. Um, I feel like some things are um, time sensitive or a response is uh, needed fairly quickly. So using the right tool or medium to either uh, communicate whatever you need to 
whatever needs to be said, either through phone or email, is said so in a in a in the right or appropriate manner. You know what's interesting? I I, I it just dawned on me though that you know coming back to the discussion in academia, we often say that project management, building science, they kind of happen after you've done the common. Uh, program, right? Whether it's the two years in Robin's case or the three years in, in Agnes's case. But I, I'm, I'm, the more you guys describe, you know, what in this case communication is, the more I realize that the stuff that you're doing in studio right now, kids, if you guys are listening and you're in first year, when you had to present your project, when you had to email your prof, when you had to um, say collaborate and work with groups that, you know, group dynamics are always rough, right? I think those are, would you agree, uh, starting with Robin, I mean, would you agree that that's a really good way to get that experience exposure and also um, really starting to figure out and, and apply uh, new tactics to, to kind of improve on your interpersonal acumen, your communication right. skills, your time management. Would you, would you say it's a good way to start steeping yourself in project management? Absolutely, 100%. And it's also a great way to, you know, work on your business development when you become an architect. I mean, you're going to have to present your ideas to other people, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's someone who might pay to do the job or whether it's stakeholders at a public presentation meeting or the city. You have to be able to speak clearly, well, convey your idea. You have to be professional. I mean, you know, if you think of a typical studio review, some students might show up disheveled and tired and, you know, they haven't prepared at all. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but some do. And you can't do that in the real world. You can't show up and show someone who might be paying you to design something, you know, dressed unprofessionally without preparing. And you certainly can't do that when you're going to show um, the city your ideas. So, um, whether it's project management or, architect or architecture, that's a great way to prepare and take it seriously. Um, just for the record, I am talking to you now wearing track pants. But yes, I agree with you too. Um, but Agnes, like, would you say that, like, I, I think the, the thing is that a lot of students think that, oh, I'm not going to do that project management stuff. I've never done any of that stuff. And I'm going to be an architect. And uh, they, they're not aware. They're, I think they're oblivious to the fact that they've been applying a lot of their uh, key skills that you guys have just been outlining uh, in, in dispensing with some of their studio projects and certainly with a lot of their group work that they've been doing in their undergrads. So, I mean, would you agree that there's a lot more to be practiced and applied in, in your you know, school setting as well? Yeah. And I think like you could, as a, as a student, you could definitely start like young and early from like, you know, your first uh, group project or studio project in first year and doing uh, your critiques is I think at the end of the day you're building a reputation for yourself right and then later on um, whether that reputation is uh, with um, the company or uh, as an individual um, it's a, a I find that the architecture engineering construction and real estate industry are all um, based on relationships absolutely Oh, sorry, Robin. It, it, it's absolutely right. It's a relationship business. And if you have a bad reputation, it's going to be hard to get a job in the industry, architecture, engineering, real estate, and you know, they're all related and we hire each other. We work together. So, yeah. So I just want to put things in perspective here because, you know, just coming back to that point about the collaboration, um, I, I think, and, and that conflict. Okay. I got you two. And quite frankly, I, I know that you guys have had to deal with, you know, whether it's a client or whether it's faculty or different or group members or partners, um, where there's been challenges, right? And we just finished a show a while ago on just collaboration and how to kind of smooth things out, right? Because I, I think that the reality, Robin, I'm pretty sure hasn't changed since uh, Agnes did group projects, but we know that group projects are kind of rough sometimes in, in, in architectural studies, right? So 
in, in understanding that negotiation, compromise, collaboration, right, uh, are critical. Those kinds of capacities to, to deal with others are, are instrumental to succeed in project management. How would you say you could negotiate conflict? I think that's a tricky one that a lot of students, I, I actually have received emails, and that's what precipitated me asking uh, to have an episode on just collaboration. But now, now that I'm looking at it, I have you two who in project management have to deal with so many stakeholders and are pretty much at the border or at the boundary between different stakeholders. And you have to kind of mitigate, you have to kind of reduce conflict, make sure everyone's on the same page. How would, how would you say you could recommend, what tips would you recommend to improve collaboration? For sure. I think with students, you know, you're working internally with a team, you want to sort of set the ground rules right off the bat. So you want to set the tone of how it's going to work. Um, rules of engagement, like, you know, don't say anything personal or you, you want to respond to emails by a certain time. We're going to meet at certain times. And you follow those rules, you start to set the tone and people are less likely to fall out of line because they know they'll be making a mistake in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. And second thing is, if a mistake does happen, you want to be able to um, call people out professionally. It's not personal, but you have to hold them accountable for that. So that's a great way to work uh, within school. And in an office, there should be sort of a... Um, something said explicitly when you start about how things work or you can pick up on the culture of the office and uh, work within that, but always don't be afraid to ask questions as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're working with external team members, it's a bit different. You have to, you have to work to solve the problem. You really have to keep the overall project goal in mind and keep people in line with that. Hmm. Okay. And then Agnes, would you say that there's anything to add to that? Cause I mean, I, I know that you've had to deal with, I don't know, not only conflict in group projects, but also overseeing other uh, students with conflict. I mean, what would you say is, is really important to know as, as, as a person in the program still, like uh, for students listening, how, 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 how would you offer some tips on, say, decent collaboration? Yeah, and I think like, you know, um, it's, it's, I find with group work, it's not always, you know, the reality is not always sunshine and rainbows in school either, right? And I think at the end of the day, um, you just have to sometimes tough it out. If you do have like um, an, a not ideal uh, team member, um, because you don't want to get a bad grade. I don't want to get a bad grade. Um, so, so I think it's, you know, being strong and resilient um, in, uh, in uh, any kind of, um, I guess, unpleasant or uh, conflict situation. Okay. So that, that, these are really good tips for how to succeed going into project management. But now let's just come back to the picture. I'm going to give each of you guys a minute to tell me, and not me, because I'm, I'm a prof. What do I know? But to tell our listeners why they would potentially be open to doing a project management career or perhaps a project management selection, uh, because we have some third years that are th- thinking about it. Second years, possibly know about it and they got to make that decision. So help me out here. I'm going to start with you, Robin. Um, just can you give a one minute spiel on not, not trying to recruit, but just basically saying why they would want to embark on doing a project management uh, concentration. Right. I think a lot of it goes back to my point about, you know, how every day is different and shaping the overall vision of the building. You got into the program because you care about um, buildings, you're in architecture, but there's other ways to get that vision um, completed and executed. So you don't have to be the person designing, you know, a little portion of it. You can be uh, managing and running the whole process on some level. So if you 
really want to see a vision fulfilled and be a part of that and, you know, have a sort of a broad role, um, that's a reason to go into project management or real estate development. Mm -hmm. All right, Agnes, you go. I would say definitely um, leadership skills and leadership skills can be built upon in, you know, many different uh, ways, um, whether it's group projects or um, uh, in your own uh, endeavors, um, being highly driven with a good attention to detail and knowing all the information you need to make informed uh, and smart decisions um, would make you um, a good, a good employee or project manager in any kind of environment. Hmm. Okay, so listen up, kids. Those of you guys that think that this option is for you, uh, hopefully you have some of the key skill sets and traits. Hopefully you've also got an insight. Those of you guys that might not have been interested or aware of even project management will know that it's instrumental to have that, not even uh, just to going in that option, but as, as Robin can attest, you know, he, he went through the architectural design uh, concentration, but he still is now fulfilling that project management mandate because that's essential to actually succeed in your career paths, but also it's a critical part of making the built environment. So on a more light note though, we got two Ryerson grads here and uh, I'm not gonna say to trash talk profs, but hey, let's do that right now. Um, so you guys have all graduated and I want you guys to tell me of a funny story from when you guys were in Ryerson back in the day. Okay, I'm gonna start with you, Robin, um, because maybe some of the profs that you are gonna be throwing uh, weren't are, are no longer around, but even if they are, you can hide their identities, but yeah. let's be honest here, the profs don't listen to, them. well, okay, some of them do, but um, don't worry, it just, what are they gonna do? Give you an F? Come on, they can't take back your degree. So come on, <laughs> tell, me, tell me some good stories, man. Uh, I don't have a story about a prof per se, but I remember one time, we had just finished, I think it was third year studio. It's a tough year. Everyone's just sort of recovering and the grades are up and uh, classmate didn't do so well. One of the profs kind of sat us down and gave him some tips for you know, how to improve next year. He said, uh, you gotta move closer to school, live on campus, you gotta quit your part-time job and you gotta dump your girlfriend. That'll help oh. you focus on school. <laughs> and, the funny thing was, he's just sitting there nodding, and none of those things applied to him because he lived on campus, he didn't have a job, or <laughs> <laughs> just holding back, laughing, thinking, oh, it's a poor guy. Um, okay, so just to be clear, I was not that prof. I wasn't there when you were a student, because <laughs> I know for a fact, uh, Agnes, back me up, I give a talk, a lecture called, don't, remember the lecture I'm going to say? Don't be stupid, lazy. No, not that one. That's my first year talk. I'm talking about don't get married, don't have kids, um, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and save money and be happy. Uh, but but that's but that was a, that was a upbeat, feel good story, Robin. I was kind of hoping like a funny story. That's like okay, fine, fine. Agnes, throw it back to you. Tell me some some funny story from when you were a kid. Um, while well, in school, <laughs> I'm trying to remember, and I you know it feels like coronavirus. I've been here forever now, so. Um, just trying to put me on the spot, I guess. Um, but I guess, like, I find that, um, you know, as a commuter, um, you know, going to downtown to Ryerson on campus was, yeah, it was challenging and, you know, uh, to be honest, not, you know, financially feasible for everyone to live downtown, right? So mm -hmm. spent a lot of uh, hours and nights and long days in the, in the CAD lab. <laughs> so I find that the CAD lab was a good way to kind of um, meet friends and talk to people that were also pulling those um, long days and nights. Well, that's also like a great way to 
you know, if they wanted to do a Febreze ad, they should do it in the CAD lab because <laughs> that's just that's just nasty. Um, okay, so, but but while I have both of you here too, not only just funny stories, but I, I think you both were talking about working, and um, one thing that does come about sometimes is that people. I, I was just uh, in a in a meeting this morning. Believe it or not, I was in a meeting this morning, um, and one of the people that I was talking to, they said, "Look." Uh, I, I was working when I was doing school and I was the only person in my whole entire class that was actually working a part-time job. I said, if you go to Ryerson and talk to the general student population, but certainly within our own ranks, you know, anywhere between 40 to 60%, depending on the class, of the students are working a second job, whether it's working at Starbucks, working as a research assistant, whatever. But I think that's rough. So, I mean, you know, Robin, on one hand, you were saying, well, you know, they, the, the prof sat down and said, hey, guys, uh, quit your job and all that stuff. But we know that there's a financial reason, you know, reality that you can't do that. And a lot of students in Ryerson don't necessarily come from uh, affluent backgrounds, right? So, you know, in order to make things work out, you know, you, you've been through the program, starting with you, Robin, um, what would you recommend students do to kind of make things work out for them, whether it's financially or balancing time, what have you? Sure, it's tough. And if you do have to work during the school year, I think the best thing to do would try and get a job that's close to campus so you're not so far from studios. So whether it is a retail job or a coffee shop, just close to campus is one thing. Or if you can, try and get a, tr a job in, uh, at the school in some sort of academic role, teaching assistant, whenever you're eligible for that. Or with a prof, you know, if, like you said, you hired Agnes to do some organization work. So, um, you know, go for the jobs are just closer and easier to get. Mm -hmm. And if you are working somewhere in the summer, um, see if you can do some part-time work throughout the year. So we've had students who work with us in the summer and they've stayed on for one day a week throughout the year. Maybe, you know, you could try and make it flexible. Maybe it's two half days or whatever it might be. So at least you're still in the industry, mm -hmm. um, getting some money and getting some experience and um, be helpful to your career. Yeah, very good advice there. I think that ability to kind of get your foot in the door in industry as well as kind of keep a little bit of money coming in, working a couple of days a week. If that's possible, that's great. I know a couple of students, actually not a couple, I know several students that do that um, in even first and second year and uh, they, they are able to afford rent downtown. So Agnes, coming to you, what advice, you know, the reason why I'm asking you guys is because you guys have it together. You guys organize, you guys know schedule, you guys know finance, you guys got your lives together. So Agnes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. What would you say is a good tip for a person to balance all those demands, those financial demands in particular? I'd say definitely like time management is the key word. Um, if you looked at my like personal like iPhone calendar, it's like I have everything on there just so I know like um, I need uh, I need to know what needs to be get done at, at what time of the day, and I um, maybe it's just. Uh, maybe it's just me or like being super organized, but I think definitely having some sort of um, organizer, like calendar or a notebook just to write down all the notes, like definitely helps and um, like manage between my uh, personal life and school life or work life. Okay. Um, as, as a person just recently graduated, it would be good, I gather, to like connect with folks that have uh, maybe several years of experience under the belt to perhaps serve as a mentor or a guide, or a guide in, 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 you know, navigating these crazy project management career paths, especially at this point in time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I like definitely like love um, um, checking in on my friends or school that are still in school or have graduated before me and kind of see what they're doing. Um, at the end of the day, I think 
um, we're all there to kind of help each other and check in on each other that we're uh, that we're that we're okay. Yeah. So networking. with that, oh sorry. No. Yeah, the networking doesn't have to be formal as well. I mean, even you know the times I've come back to school to speak, some students just come up to me after and just want to get some more information out of career options and then it might turn to a coffee and I might introduce them to someone else and then they end up getting a job. So it doesn't have to be a formal networking event or whatnot. You can just talk to people and then see what comes with it. Yeah. See, that's my approach. I, I really like that. I, I really like the fact that there's, there, there, there aren't as many walls as people might think. And again, certainly these, these kinds of podcasts allow for that those sets of barriers to kind of diminish. Um, but I, I really do like the fact that, you know, it is about connections and networks. Uh, speaking from the co-op standpoint, uh, we know that a lot of employers branch out from our own students who have graduated. So uh, shout out to all the alumni who have helped us out, certainly to you, Robin. And I also want to say thanks to you guys both for taking a time out. I know that you guys are busy, uh, even, even in light of this pandemic, you guys are all busy. So I do appreciate you taking the time out. I want to be respectful full time so thank you for coming out guys thank you for having us yeah thank you so nice to chat again